Hello and a warm-hearted welcome. I'm Iris van der Vieken. You're listening to Creating Beautiful. Put your phone on mute and settle in. You won't want to miss our guest today. As some of you know, the jewelry and watch industry has a larger ambition to create a better, fairer world by 2030 and to contribute to the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. In each episode, we will discuss the relationship between design and sustainability. And we ask, what happens to your business when you put people and planet first? First of all, good good morning, Chris, and thank you very much for joining our first RJC podcast. So it's quite a milestone, and we're very honored to have IWC as a first, a very a committed member of the RJC since 2012, and you're also very committed to the Sustainable Development Goals, bigger agenda to 2030. And actually, that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you. You know, as a CEO, what is the vision? on responsible sourcing and sustainability from IWC. Yes, Iris, good morning. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, an absolute pleasure and honor to talk to you in this first RJC podcast. That's exciting. And uh, congratulations on adding this format to what you do. I think it's one of the main ways we can connect to our audience today. We see a strong growth in audio. It's a really important way of connecting with the community. So I'm very happy to join you on the podcast today. The vision really for, for us is very simple. You know, we make an, an emotional product, we make a luxury product, and fundamentally it's a product where I think it's all about pleasure. You know, we, we buy and have non-essential things because we like what it says about us, we like their design, we like the quality, we like the craftsmanship, but it should always be a product that people can genuinely and 100% feel good about. You know, in our world where we do, you know, we, we, we make a product that is to be enjoyed and it should be all around a positive experience. That's why my simple mission at IWC is to make our watches the most responsibly made mechanical watches available in the market today. And of course, that is a journey, you know, nobody, gets uh, to perfection uh, in stage one. It's really an iterative process. It's a long-term vision, and it's trying to make sure that every element of what we do is on a continuous improvement journey towards the goals that we've clearly set out in our 2020 sustainability report, and of course, that are in line with what you're describing. And I think when we, when we look back, it comes from our history, because we were founded here right on the River Rhine, where I'm standing today in now, of course, a, a Zoom and podcast studio rather than a physical meeting room as we do during COVID. But uh, this is really where Jones back in 1868 crossed the Atlantic Ocean and set up IWC by the River Rhine. And his first ever Swiss centralized watch manufacturing was directly powered by the energy of the River Rhine via Campbell's transmission. And today, 154 years later, we still get all of our electricity from the hydropower station that is just down the road here, 200 meters from where I'm standing. And that really shows that initial already sustainable setup of IWC. And that's been the case throughout our history. You know, it's a product that does not have an inbuilt obsolescence like the, so many things we consume today. No lithium uh, batteries in here, it is not, something you have to replace and upgrade every two years. With our mechanical watches, we very basically guarantee to our customers that we will service and repair these watches for eternity. 
And for many people, that's a product they're passing down from generation to generation. And the only energy input once you wear it is really the power of your wrist to wind the movement or the power of your fingers to wind it. And that already creates an inherently very, very sustainable product. And especially today where, where I think customers are questioning so much our impact on the environment and the way we consume the impact of fashion and all the rest of it, it's quite a unique message to say, look, here you can see a product that is designed, engineered, manufactured, assembled, all in one place in the heart of Europe, creating skills, jobs, fostering development, uh, the creative arts around a place like Schaffhausen. And we've done so continuously for 154 years. And I think this is really today also a very positive talking point for our clients. Well, thank you, Chris, because I think, you know, you, you talk about uh, the journey of continuous improvement, and that's also very much the philosophy of the RJC, and we were based on that foundation uh, in 2005, and it's really important to have leaders like you, you know, take that long-term view and that path. And second, I think the element you also touch upon is the element of, you know, the consumer, consumer confidence, um, trust and integrity, and you have given some examples, but how do you also see... Um, you know, sustainability continue to contribute to this element of consumer confidence because we see this millennial, this Gen Z generation is looking at purpose, is much more conscious. They're almost activists on their own. So, you know, I'd love to hear your view on how you see that evolve and also uh, how IWC will uh, integrate that in its strategy. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I do observe this now across the age ranges. You're right that a couple of years ago, I had a similar feeling that is mainly coming from the younger generation, but I think it's really spreading quite quickly. And I think there's a much more broadly based general awareness now that we have to question a lot of the ways we live our lives, especially in the West, where we have such an overproportional impact on the environment. And again, I think the impact of COVID and this moment of standing still and this moment of reflecting on how we live, how we spend our time, what we travel for, how many times we're placing our wardrobes, the objects we're using, etc. I think also really refocus people on what is really essentially important in, in their lives. And that was this moment of reckoning that I think brought this message of a, of a responsibility. And I, almost in many ways for us, like this word better, because it's about the responsibility in what we do, you know, reducing the impact, making sure we are on this journey of continuous improvement. And then the other element, which is really important to us as a company, is the open and the openness and the transparency when it comes to uh, communicating what we do and how we do it to our clients. And that is what people are looking for. They're looking most of the time, you know, they know everybody is trying hard and, you know, you always have ways to still improve what you're doing. But what people appreciate seeing is that we're happy to talk about it. We invite everybody into the heart of our manufacturing here, either virtually or physically when that's possible. We show every step of the watchmaking process. And I can't think of many manufacturers that will openly invite their clients into every single element of what we do. And we, we are very happy, and this was recognized in the WWF study a couple of years ago on gold sourcing in Switzerland. Yes, it's about the uh, continuously improving sourcing practices, but it's also about the readiness and the openness to communicate to press, to communicate to clients, to make the sources of things visible on our website, visible in our communication material, and just having an open dialogue. And I think that is really, really important. And then the other thing you mentioned, which, which I think is, is a major driver in that direction, is also the fact that we have a responsibility in the wider supply chain 
to be a driver of sustainable innovation in the sense that unless we as clients of our suppliers are asking for specific innovations, only then does it become business critical in the supply chain. So unless we set the briefing to the wider industry to say, look, we are really looking to have a 100% responsible and recycled rubber strap, and we would like that by 2022, that is really the only way that the entire supply chain will start to look at exactly how things are being done. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. And I think that what, what we've seen is really, you're right, it's really the momentum now of sustainability. It's not a nice to have. It's not an option. Um, yeah. It's here to stay and really be part of the core business strategy. And I love the example you gave at the beginning of this podcast about, you know, the foundation and the values when you were founded uh, mm -hmm. and how you already had that, that bigger um, vision. And I guess that brings me also to the question, if you look at this whole journey, and it is a journey of continuous improvement, what are some of the steps that IWC has taken in its journey to responsible sourcing? Yeah, no, as you say, I think we, we are looking at it holistically and we're looking at it long term. That's why the, the vision to simply say, let's strive towards the most responsible product available on the market today. That has been the, the vision at the outset. And then, of course, we subscribe to a lot of the sustainable development goals, set that out in our report, what the steps are going to be. And then we look at three main areas. It's the upstream supply chain of, of sourcing, where we're really taking all the steps from, of course, being Code of Practice certified with you being a member of the Responsible Jewelry Council since 2012, if I remember correctly. And then, of course, uh, the very recent a chain of custody certification that is the starting point for a real traceability on the precious metal components down to the individual watch and i think that is really a major milestone for us in being able as you described it to give that trust that confidence that assuredness to our consumers that they can trace individually where the components in their personal watch are coming from and a, a, an object that you have such a personal relationship with like a mechanical watch I think that is absolutely key that we can go beyond broad statements and to individual, ideally also blockchain sort of documented uh, traceability on all of the components. And then it's really going through the supply chain and making sure that whether it is our fine gold we're using, which is vastly recycled fine gold that comes a lot from electronic recycling of components from, uh, from TVs, et cetera, where there's industrial gold, you have that in steel where our main supplier is signed up to responsible steel, which is really looking at increasing the amount of recycled steel that goes into the stainless steel that we're using for our watches, all the way then to the surrounding materials where we're really looking at the reduction of plastics, which we've done in all of our packaging, in our paper bags, where we're ensuring that plastic components are removed wherever possible, and where we don't where we're not able to completely remove plastic, then at least make sure that this is as recycled and responsibly sourced as possible, reducing the bulk of the packaging, ship and weight, we created this modular packaging that allows us to hugely reduce the amount of shipping uh, that has to be done in terms of bulk and volume, and then all the way down to, you know, FSC certified uh, paper products, which we've now got 100% implemented, looking at the way we do events, looking at the way the materials that we use in our shop windows, visual merchandising, and all of that to really embark on this journey to make sure that our impact on the environment and our impact on society is as little respectively as good as possible. 
Well, th thank you, Chris. And, and as you're aware, the uh, RGC in December launched its roadmap to 2030. It's really a collective effort of the watch and jewelry industry to contribute to the sustainable development goals. I think you'll agree no one can do it alone. So we will need leaders like you to really bring the supply chain uh, along. And that's great. And I also wanted to congratulate you on something on, I read on your commitment to doubling the share of women in management positions. Uh, compared to a 2017 baseline, as well as achieving equal pay certification and maintain a great place to work certification. Because yeah. again, I think it's putting those values in action. So, well, it's quite, it's very, very inspiring. Yeah, yeah. That's something that is extremely important to me because we live, you know, we as, as corporate citizens here, we live in a small community. Uh, the Schaffhausen Canton is about 80,000 people here around us. And we've been here for over 150 years. And we're obviously one of the major employers and one of the major community actors around here. And Schaffhausen has a, has a proud industrial heritage in automotive, in food and beverage, even in train building and others. But we want to make sure that IWC is really somebody who contributes not only to all of the social programs and the local initiatives around here, the charities around here, the support network, but also really by offering our in-house training for watchmakers, our in-house training for engineers, the trainee program we have for a lot of the uh, non-direct production jobs. And that really means that a lot of the families that are around the immediate area here often have uh, second, third generation members of their family working lifelong with IWC. And that is really something that I'm very, very focused on that makes me very proud when I see that. And you can imagine, you know, I'm, I'm an architect designer by training, so I spent six years um, working on that new manufacturing center we were lucky enough to open three years ago which really is a, a revolution in the sense that watchmaking is brought to today and really the vision for the next 150 years in terms of you know working environment ergonomics efficiency sustainability it's completely next level and when you have somebody who's worked with us maybe for 40 years as a watchmaker and they have this massive change of moving into a new building and they turn around and go, wow, that's really lifted my spirit in terms of how I feel about the brand, how I feel about my work. That's the nicest response you can have. And to be able to have this balance of, yes, we have very efficient production now. And I'm, I'm amazed to see how much improvement we're able to make in our movement quality, quality in the ramp up of our in-house movements. But at the same time, you're providing a very pos positive working environment for all our colleagues and we're reducing the impact of our production activities significantly on the environment. That is, I think, the journey where we think we need to continue to, to, to push and to make progress. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. And also um, setting the agenda on people and, and purpose, which is, uh, is, I think, at the heart of uh, sustainable development. And what, what we sometimes, when we speak to our member companies, you know, definitely we also get feedback. It is, it is very hard work. It needs a lot of commitment. It needs CEO leadership, uh, which, which we see uh, with you. But can you tell us also, you know, on that path to where you are today, what have been some of the biggest uh, challenges um, that came on, on your path? And also, what are some of the lessons learned for IWC in integrating sustainability at the heart of your operations? Yeah, I, I do think that maybe we and our industry had a little bit of an unfair advantage in the sense that by the definition of our product and our activities and the way that, you know, we've been very much founded on the principle of Swiss made on the, on the principle of close radius supply chain and really, you know, making things integrated in one place, you know, the, the step to improving 
is not as dramatic as if you're a company with a very high impact um, a core activity. Um, I think today, through the combination of how we make things and what we make, which is basically a, a product forever, um, it is somewhat an easier journey. And I don't think that we came across any major hurdles. And it's something where it is very, very um, easy to motivate our colleagues um, to, to come on the journey with us. We've seen that with all of the initiatives from mobility to all of the volunteering that we've done around here to you know, it, that is something that I think comes quite naturally to the type of people who are working in our industry and who are working with IWC. What is a little more complex, of course, is when it comes to converting supply chains, um, there are some, some things which are much harder to resolve than I initially thought. You know, today, for example, when I look at our remaining animal-based products in, in straps, when I look at the calf leather supply chain around Europe, this was something that in my mind was very simple to address. I thought, okay, I have happy grazing cows uh, just outside my, <laughs> my factoring center. You know, surely as a, as a byproduct of farming, there will be some beautiful calf leather skins and I can, you know, biologically naturally tan them and, and turn them into wash straps. That's not as straightforward as I thought. You know, the sourceability today, the traceability in that supply chain is just not there. And of course, we are now very, very actively asking our suppliers and our industry peers to put something in place where we have a, a sense of traceability and control. We can ensure animal welfare, we can ensure standards of sourcing, uh, but sometimes these things are major industry changes which don't happen overnight. You know, for us to change from car to bike when we come to work, that can be done on a Monday morning, no problem, when it's not minus 10 degrees and snowing like crazy. Public transport infrastructure here for our manufacturing, you know, the city was very kind to cooperate very closely with us and, and give us two dedicated bus stops, for example, for public transport connection to the new manufacturing. That's, that's been working very, very well and easily. Other things that, you know, have more actors that need to make changes, uh, industry standards, logistics standards, that is a little more, bit more tricky. Well, uh, th well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. And I also wanted to uh, ask you, because, uh, you know, COVID, uh, how has that affected uh, IWC and and in your um, in your leadership and in, in the strategy for IWC? You know, did you what were the biggest shifts that you had to had to make? And also, again, to protect, you know, the element of sustainability, because I think the risk is often uh, and that's what you know we are concerned about, but also uh, you know many other players. When you come into such a crisis situation and you're really looking at survival of business, how can you still embrace you know the integrity of your supply chain and be very protective on human rights, labor, environment, etc.? So keep the focus on sustainability. Yeah, I think you know we we had obviously two immediate and main priorities when, when COVID struck. Number one was the health and safety and well-being of all of our colleagues, our partners, our, our customers. So this was number one is to protect everybody. And that of course needed a, a completely new health and safety concept that we in Europe just weren't used to. And when I think about one year ago in March, we didn't really know what, what Zoom was. We were still having physical meetings. We were still traveling without wearing masks. And today, totally unacceptable. But the cultural shift that needed to happen in the Western world where we hadn't been used to a pandemic situation was massive. You know, people were in the beginning, we tend to forget now, but in the beginning there was great resistance against this idea that this pandemic could actually affect us. So we had to make some changes which were quite radical and we were always uh, very proactive in our protection concept from last year. 
caused a lot of discussions in the beginning because people were not used to temperature checks, not used to wearing masks, not used to social distancing, not used to not being able to hang out at lunchtime for hours on end in, in, in a close, tightly knit group in a, in a small pizzeria, you know, all of those things that needed some rethinking. And then secondly, in terms of business, yes, we had to, um, it, we had to, of course, make sure we focus on our core operations in a way that we could safeguard uh, our uh, corporate uh, existence and that we could uh, protect the jobs. And this was uh, the absolute uh, critical central element of what we did. Luckily, I think in, in the way that our business works, um, the, when you protect the core of your business, you, you make the adjustments in the way you distribute products, the opening of your stores, you do it in your communication spending, for example, which of course uh, has been radically reduced travel costs. Luckily, that was an element that automatically um, faced quite a reduction. And this allowed us then, with the great flexibility of our colleagues and the great agility of our supply chain partners, to safeguard all of our employment here in Schaffhausen without making any compromises in the way we source our products, ship our products. And to the contrary, of course, you know, in the absence of live events and in the absence of, uh, of corporate global traveling, you know, there's probably been both cost and environmental impact savings that were quite considerate, uh, considerable during this time. And I hope that going forward, we've learned the lesson. We appreciate now that, yes, we cannot really build relationships on Zoom, but you can have existing business contacts uh, where you don't have to fly to each other for every single exchange. And I really hope that going forward, we're finding a new balance that will, again, just be positive in terms of the impact we have as a business. Thank you. And um, and Chris, you know, uh, when when we go back to, yes, we're now in 2021, and we always knew that, uh, you know, up to 2030, reaching the 17 Sustainable Development Goals is really the common agenda of the world. So I think it's good. We all agree this is the common framework. Uh, but we know also that we are very much behind. So it will take uh, it will take new leadership. It will take uh, additional efforts by by everyone in the supply chain. So what are the next, I think, steps for IWC if you look at your responsible um, sourcing journey? You know, where are you heading? Um, IWC in five years. Can you give us a flavor of that? Yeah, I think for me, really, the, the, the key thing, you mentioned some of the sustainable development goals that we're actively working on. Um, my uh, mix of, in terms of diversity in, in our management is not there yet where I would like it to be. But I've also always said, you know, we have a perfectly... A working team here, especially headquarters. I'm not going to start to fire people just for the sake of rebalancing what is already there. But of course, I'm hoping that going forward, we will be able to attract uh, an even more diverse talent pool to our industry. We've started to really make inroads in terms of uh, identifying uh, jobs within IWC that can be done uh, by uh, members of the workforce with different degrees of disability, both mental and physical. I think this is something where we should really make progress. Our industry has been quite exclusive not through active discrimination but for the fact that we're just not traditionally reaching out to many segments in society and it was quite a typical sort of profile that ended up in our industry. We had a, a wonderful um, project during the recent visionaire uh, challenge that the group set uh, for uh, different diverse teams from brands to come together and develop ideas for innovative things and one concept came along that I was um, happy to uh, look after as a, as a project lead was the um, uh, responsible the school of luxury basically was the concept and the idea was to create a foundation degree in luxury that is organized by us as a company with our partners 
and it would reach out to school leavers from absolute diverse backgrounds who would not normally find their way into the luxury industry and find a way of vocational qualification on the job, you know, for retail and office functions and also uh, the academic training of an intro to luxury, but in a way that's not based on an elite MBA program in international luxury management and so on, but really targets young school leavers directly to say, okay, a practical part classroom taught uh, practical education to bring you into this industry because we see, you know, we are a global company with the International Watch Company, and we need that diversity of views, the diversity of ideas, and that just enriches the creative process all of the time. And at the end of the day, we are a business that's based on that. We are a business that's based on good ideas. You know, you can't create a luxury brand on an Excel sheet. It's impossible. So unless you have people who bring drive, who bring passion, who bring uh, crazy ideas very often, that's the only way that we move forward. And I think if we can make real progress over the next number of years in bringing a more diverse team to IWC, it will be a huge win for everybody. And that even given that, of course, so many cultures, it's not that easy to be physical in 2000, but I think that the introduction of all the technology we have today, the flexible working, the remote working, uh, the global teams that we can now build, we will have a much better position now to make this uh, vision a reality than maybe even two years ago. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. And, and just, you know, for your information, also the RJC is launching on uh, International Women's Day uh, on the 8th of March, a very big campaign where we will set uh, also regional meetings. So all over the world, because uh, when we speak about uh, gender, but also about diversity and inclusion, you know, there's often a very regional or local perspective. So we'll be setting up multi-stakeholder um, consultations, and we very much look forward for IWC to play an active uh, role in that. Thank you. Of course. Um, Maybe the second point you hinted on just now, just to, you know, where are we headed? I think the second thing that I, I really do think is a major part is this transparency uh, to our end clients. This goes back to the simple idea that what we don't have today yet is a full traceability that is really easy to find in the documentation that comes with the watch and our communication channels on the website and i would love to see in five years a situation where your mouse hover or finger hover over any of our products and you will have the full sourcing breakdown so if you want to know you can see exactly uh, where each material component came from where it's made and ideally the watchmaker that put the final screw into the rotor and uh, set the watch moment to life the watch movement to life that that is really what i would love to see in the near future that we can get to this granularity of information and communication. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Chris. And very much thank you for your time today and uh, you. and your inspiring thoughts. And uh, I very much hope to come and visit you as soon as the policy oh, allows do. that. Please do. No, our doors are closed. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I was very lucky under all the uh, COVID uh, safety protocols yesterday to welcome our first client back to manufacturing socially distanced. But at least it yeah. gives us, as the situation is now uh, quite under control here in Schaffhausen locally, at least nationally, we can start to engage again with our clients. First of March, a lot of the uh, restrictions are easing a bit. And I hope that we can continue on that journey. Vaccinations will progress, hopefully. Um, and we can we can get back to some sort of normality. No, well, thank you again, and I wish you uh, I would say a beautiful, sustainable day. Thank oh, you. Well, thank you, Iris. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Thank Sweet. you, Chris. Bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 Thank you very much for tuning into this episode of Creating Beautiful. 
It's been really great having you with us. And I do hope you have picked up some useful, practical tips that you can apply in your own business. If you would like to ask a question or let us know what you're doing to put people and planet first, we would love to hear about that. So get in touch by sending an email to create at responsiblejury.com. And please stay safe. Warm regards, Iris.